Hey guys, welcome back. VGC Care here. We're back with Season 7, Episode 9 of our weekly Q&A videos. Uh, if you're currently watching this on YouTube, uh, this also exists in podcast format, which you can check out and get on all the major podcasting platforms on the links in the description. Getting straight into the content. We normally do more of a preamble, but first one comes from uh, either D capital I or D lowercase L. I think it's D-I probably DI, yeah. Wacky Gaming, and they say, here's a question. Uh, if you were to add two people to Injustice Mobile, who would they be, and what would be their passives? I think this is a, a interesting question, because it's more of just like, who do you like that you think doesn't yeah. get enough representation? All right, so, but let's talk about some of the, the ground rules, though. So you'd assume that you'd be limited DC characters. Yeah. But you don't have to, because uh, yeah. you've got more combat characters just, come in. I can just add whatever I want. And there have been Marvel and DC crossovers. Yeah. There are no rules. My, my, there's one, <laughs> there's two, okay, there's two characters that I can think of that have been wanted to be added to uh, different games for a while that would <laughs> absolutely not be allowed to be added to uh, Injustice, but would satiate a lot of fans, which in the, those two characters are Sans from Undertale, uh, and Waluigi <laughs> are the are the two characters that have been really that people have really pushed to put into games, and those are both for Smash. But I think you know Sans Undertale. It's a, it's a fighting game, so it would. Yeah, fit. exactly. That's what I'm saying. So my answer is Sans Undertale. <laughs> okay, so I've got a few choices. If we're gonna stick to DC, I think what would be cool and sort of out there would be not quite. Um, I guess it would be sort of. It would introduce a lot of other storylines are interesting, and I have a, a, a fond nostalgia for both of them. One would be Warlord. So he's hmm. sort of like DC's answer to Conan the Barbarian, but he's got a helmet with wings on it, and it's that same idea of a muscle-bound uh, warrior wandering around and hacking people and doing good things. Just a real hunk of meat. Yes, exactly. And I think that would fit A with real loaf of a it, man. It would, <laughs> that's a good expression, loaf of a man. Um, and, and that would fit with the aesthetic of, of Injustice. Now, what might not... Well, I guess it still does, because there's a lot of women. Amethyst. So Amethyst was the other comic book that I used to read at the library a lot. I think I, I must have mentioned this a bunch of times before. And there'd be issues of it, but never in a proper run. So I'd always get excited when there were issues that were close to each other. So you could sort of put cobbled together story if you're willing to speculate on what happened mm -hmm. in the 30 pages between one and the other um but if we were gonna if we were gonna do like not be constrained by uh dc rules you know what would be really cool so okay in high school there used to be a, a role-playing game called marvel superheroes yeah i'm sure actually it's not that it used to be but we had access to it never played it never played a campaign or anything but there were a couple guys at school that would just bring in the stuff and they'd read through all the materials and they would just pick characters uh, and either they had stats or they'd assign stats to them mm -hmm. and then see who would win and just use the random roll thing on the calculator to decide when you're deciding an action, you know, like attacking or evading or whatever. Interesting. Okay, but here's where it's really funny. So who I would stick in would be Aunt May. Spider-Man's... Uh, and she would suck, probably, no, right? But, well, all right? but she wouldn't necessarily suck, because the way they played it, they gave her special power. So this is where the passive comes in. Because we didn't talk about passive. Like, Warlord would have some sort of fighting passive. That's true. Amethyst would have some sort of magic passive. Whatever. Sans would have some sort of turn-based passive. I don't yeah. know how that would work. Okay. Try to... But Aunt May would have a passive where if the other character were bigger than her by a certain amount... Yeah. She could have, like, a special... There used to be special moves. I can't remember what it was, but she would have a... We would play with her so she'd have a special grab she would have really low health she had really low attack but if she happened to grab the other guy in the crotch yeah. she would she would uh what's the word uh not disable but um oh um almost like a stun effect yeah where they wouldn't be able to fight back and she would immobilize so something like that but she would do a huge amount of damage okay so that was her chance if she was completely outclassed by somebody that was physically bigger than her she would really have a, a not a small not a tiny chance but uh not a maybe like a half a chance so you you doing your grab what you're saying is you've always played glass cannons <laughs> yes that's right. You've got, you got a long and storied history of playing glass cannon. She would be like Luchador Bane. Every time I say glass cannon, I know there's lots of other or characters Ares. like that. I'd see, I guess... A little bit. 
A, a little bit, that's true. I don't think of Ares as glass cannon. I think of Lucian Urbane mainly because Ares, at least the character design, yeah. he's got armor and stuff. He doesn't look stuff. like he should. He do, yeah, he doesn't look so vulnerable, but Lucian Urbane, because he's basically like in, in like, like a, a dude. Yeah, he's got all of his like arm exposed and everything. It's right. like in the new Doom game, right? The Doom Eternal yeah. that just came out. They've made him super ripped and they've removed uh, his sort of like sleeve armor. So he's got gauntlets. And he's just got rippling packs in between them, but it's just bare skin. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it looks cool. It's, all right, so this is the other thing, too. So it might look kind of cool, but functionally, it's pretty useless, right? I, I can't remember where I saw recently. You know how in movies where they have uh, female characters wearing armor? Yeah. And they always make the armor sort of mold the same way they, they would mold, say, like a six-pack of abs on mm -hmm. the guy's armor. Yeah. They would mold, like, breast cups yeah. onto women's armor. And I was watching or reading something. That oh, does it like what? direct like attacks or something? Yeah, yeah. Like it deflects it, attacks into dangerous points. Right. So instead of deflecting it away from you, it's deflecting it right into the most serious point, like right into your yeah, center it's like, mass. It's like a funnel. Yeah. So while aesthetically people like to do that, it's probably not functionally what they would have done. And I, there was another show I was watching, or not a show, but a YouTube channel, where they were demonstrating how different um, armors would protect against arrows. Yeah. And whether they would pierce them or not. And there was some interesting, like a V at the neck, yeah. like a raised V, that when they were trying stuff, it made a lot of sense because it actually, when uh, an arrow deflected up, that V would guide it away from the neck and the head. That makes sense. And protect people. So I think, what were you saying? So that was all the glass cannon and Aunt May. And yeah, having having bad armor we were talking about. Yes. Um, so I guess... Lucian Urbane. <laughs> sure it was his setup. <laughs> um, I would. I think there's lots of Marvel characters that would be interesting. I mean, we mentioned some of the big ones. It would be kind of fun. Well, now I want Aunt May, for sure. Yeah. That's one of my two. I was actually going to say, I think um, a good April Fool's character would to just be a, a civilian, like a panic civilian that had like almost no stats. Oh, you mean like uh, what, the agent guy from uh, S.H.I.E.L.D., you know, the, from the Avengers movie that ended up being... No, uh, agent... Oh, yeah. I don't know. I know what I you're talking about. But, um, no, I'm not talking like that. I'm talking because like that would be, civilian? yeah, because if that would be a known character and then you would feel right. sort of bad leaving him in and, you know, you'd expect him to have, I don't know, something. I'm just saying like a random civilian off the street. Oh, that'd be funny. Yeah. <laughs> you just, <laughs> it's like the, that, um, joke about how people want to just have, uh, one regular person compete in the Olympics beside all the athletes oh, so that you can see the difference between them. That would be them. so good. Yeah. <laughs> Because then so you get you context, it gives you sense. Right. It's like the average human being. But but you've got to let, like, say it's the 100-meter dash. Yeah. You've got to let them make it to the last round. Like, it, it, it wouldn't make sense to have them eliminated in an early oh, yeah, round. Oh, no, you just let them play. It's just yeah. for context. You... But, no, but they would get a complete buy. Like, yeah. if, if it was a competition thing like that, I'd want them to, to get a buy for the heats and just you run You don't get a buy. You get a new person off the street for three <laughs> months. <laughs> That would be cool. And it's just it's just to give people the context so that they understand how just how spectacular the real yeah they're doing are. like high jump or whatever <laughs> right. uh, is high jump even at the Olympics yeah okay yeah. I don't know I don't follow. that came up in a show we were watching where somebody was made an allusion to the yeah the something uh, flaw. the Fosbury flaw yeah um, that was Taskmaster yeah yeah Taskmaster. somebody was going to get show. something named after them Taskmaster I love that this yeah. has been that has been like a great uh, pandemic stay at home kind of show to watch yeah but you get, you get high jump and then you get somebody who did high jump just for track and field in like uh elementary school and oh you see, elementary <laughs> or, well i mean because you don't do track and field in high school the same way it's not like mandatory right i don't right, know right so i'm saying you get somebody who can literally do it it's not somebody who literally doesn't know how to do the sport like you don't put on like a figure skater that you don't put on somebody who's never skated right right, right. like uh, oh you know there was a guy who did that for ski jumping eddie no. the eagle so he was from the UK, yeah. and he competed in the ski jump, and he was, I guess, uh, my memory's going to fail me, because I think the, the, you know, when you remember something, and it's yeah. meant to be a particular kind of narrative, then you mm -hmm. buy into it. I can't remember. Like, he was supposed to be really, really bad. Mm -hmm. He had thick Coke bottle glasses, and he was the only, um, the only way he got on was because the UK had a really weak team, and they didn't have anybody that they thought was any better, so he just went and competed. That's fun. We should look that up. But Eddie the Eagle, he was pretty famous for that, for being out of his depth. Yeah, so I think I think you'd want, as an April Fool's character, just a random dude <laughs> off the street, and they 
make it about three hits, and then their specials are just, like, kicking but harder. <laughs> Isn't that like Aquaman's hero? Atlantean hero? Yeah. But just you, a little you, bit weaker. <laughs> their stats would basically... Yeah, I'd want their stats to be basically Atlantean hero stats, and they don't have specials. Maybe their second special is just a gun, like Joker. <laughs> But that's like all their specials. It's just like, here's a gun and I'll pop one one bullet off. Alright, that would be good. Um, who else would I mean on serious on a serious note, like somebody that would fit in with the aesthetic. Yeah. We've we mentioned I think we've had this question before because I remember thinking vaguely that Swamp Thing would be kinda cool. Yeah. We have uh, had this question before. Sandman, like some of the vertigo guys. John Constantine would be funny because he would look sort of normal. Um I mean that whole the whole supernatural um Yeah. I guess not window the stream of DC Comics. Those would be kind of interesting too, because then it would open you to a lot more different passes. But I still would really like to watch um, Spider-Man fight Batman. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, I think the problem with Spider-Man is that the way that he moves would have to be so stripped down to put him in a game like this. Right, because he normally jumps around a lot, right? And none yeah. of these characters jump. And yeah, because there are some you know games that would be better suited for it, right? Like. Um, Marvel versus Capcom, right? The oh, way that they have a right. lot more stuff going on, right, right. but it's a lot more, it's a lot less grounded of a fighter, right? Where there's a lot of like more abilities and ranged attacks and stuff <laughs> like that, right? Where yeah. this format does not lend itself to uh, too many like really out there characters. Although you know you could say the same thing about Superman, right? Where I guess we've just gotten right, used good. to Superman because a lot of his stuff is very mobility based too. Right, that's true. That's true. He flies around and he just doesn't in this game. He's got. Yeah. He only does his uh, heat beams on special. Yeah. Yeah. So we we probably could. That would be kind of funny. And I mean, that's the whole conceit of justice, right? That different power level guys have been they've been equalized so that the fights are actually competitive. Yeah. Because I, I I never read it, but I, I think a friend of yours did, right? And it was explaining to us that that, that something had happened. I've long since forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, but that all right. So the, the iconic characters would be fun to have in the same way. You know, Scorpion is the iconic Mortal Kombat character. Mm-hmm. Although I would argue that Sub Zero probably is not because he actually is, but because when you played the game in the arcade, which was this was one of the few games I actually had access to in the arcade when I at a time when I had money to play. Yeah, and Sub Zero was the ultimate uh, novice's character because it was so easy to play him. You would do the same the the what the fireball move in Street Fighter is his freezing. Yeah. You could slide in and then you could just do a bunch of damage. So you freeze them, you walk in and then you do an uppercut yeah. and then you just keep on repeating. So it was sort of like the same way Guile is in Street Fighter that if you want to fight at a high level without knowing a lot of special moves or having mm-hmm. a lot of uh, skill, yeah. you could do that. Uh, here's somebody that I would like. Odd Job. The character Odd Job from oh, Goldeneye. From, yeah. And I would like his passive to be something along the lines of hard to hit where heavy attacks don't deal damage to him. <laughs> oh, that would be if his be, if his pass his passive might be like slaps only. Like <laughs> <laughs> right? Like Oh, then it opens up to like those kind of really unbalanced things where most of the time they're re- weak. But that every once in a while, see these are the these are the most dif- those are the most difficult kind of fights in Injustice where yeah. you you don't expect much, but then every once in a while something happens, so there's a chance that they could do something really powerful against you. Yeah. So Shedinja, yeah, from Pokemon, where if you use the wrong kind of attacks, you just couldn't get you don't do no damage. He's got very little health, and then he had one health. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And it was the only way you could take do it was if he, it was a super um super effective. Super effective move. Yeah, you need a type advantage. Right. I wonder how you do that because it's not like there's any types or anything, but maybe you just disable different damage types. So you say like first special deals no damage against his character, second special deals no damage against his character, or super the, deals no damage. The only thing that would kill him would be poison. No, you couldn't do that because it's not consistent enough to have it on a team. You need to be able to beat or, him no matter what okay, your team was. Or damage over time. But not every team needs to have damage over uh, time. All right, you need so, to have something where literally every team would be able to do it. But not everybody on the team would be able to. So what would it be? I, I don't even think it's that. I just think you make it so that you limit uh, damage where you make certain damage types not do anything. So either specials don't deal anything, basic attack. Uh, but or we sort of already type. got that though, right? We got that a little bit. With the Night Wings. With the Silver Night Wings. I'm talking you could... more you just make like make it so that like swipe combos deal no damage. 
and then all of a sudden it's just it just changes how you play right or specialty alone damage it just changes how you play right? right uh where you have to do the other thing and that does make it so that not every character a special specialist doesn't do so well against that Right. Yeah, except when you're playing against the AI, the AI plays a special specialist, not as a special specialist. That's true. So it would sort of mess it up a little bit. Defensive. Right, so, yeah. Yeah. I think that would be interesting. That would be kind of fun. Yeah. So there we go. Uh, our next question comes from Ashton Kimberlin, and they say, would you consider Arkham Knight Harley Quinn or Suicide Squad slash Animated <laughs> overpowered when given Tantu? I've been running an Arkham team for multiplayer consisting of Arkham Knight Batgirl, Arkham Knight Deadshot, and Arkham Knight Harley. So I think those quest- these kind of questions, you always have to break it down into uh, overpowered as an offensive player or overpowered as a defense- defensive player or both. Yeah. And I think uh, defensively, definitely not. Mm-hmm. Because the AI doesn't play it smart. They don't always load up on the special two a bunch of times to get the secondary effects yeah. before they dump a bomb. Mm-hmm. And even offensively, I got to say, I don't know that it's necessarily overpowered. I mean, sure, you get free power and i think out of all of them the only one is the harley is it suicide squad harley that gives power back to the, her teammates mm, so yeah. there's there's that move and that would be the most overpowered only because you're charging everybody up but if you're playing her any of the other harleys all you're doing is healing boosting damage but you can only boost it once you didn't used to be able to i think you used to be able to boost it up a few times yeah um or sorry it's heal boost damage um the dynamite yeah what else is there uh isn't that the oh there's there is one more heal boost damage wait is there three or four i feel like there is four yeah there's the joker yeah no but that's not always that's something uh that's the one boosting there's a rose which is that's the heal yeah and there's the bomb. Well, maybe somebody will tell us. I, think I don't maybe, remember. If maybe it's three or four. The, the, it might be that there's only three, and then there's four on uh, Suicide yeah. Squad. So it's interesting because you get to do as much as you want. And if you're if you're damaged, which is a big qualifier, if you're damaged, it is super powered because you can just heal everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, you can basically get that effect by uh, tagging in Batman Ninja Catwoman, giving her the Gauntlets of Azrael, and if you've got like the the loadout that we've done on her recently, you give her. Uh, overpowered super to max out uh, max augmented 50% crit chance. She yeah. crits every time she does a cat- tap combo and if she does one tap combo, her passive and the gauntlets of Azrael let her heal her team like a bunch of times without mm-hmm. actually needing any power. Yeah, so I think she's good and I think it does feel like you're almost getting one over on the game and I think if you're patient a lot of the times you can uh, I think consistently win battles that you might have had trouble with otherwise. Right. right. Uh, but I wouldn't say overpowered just because they're slow. It's not that fast. Right. And you have to to really get the most benefit of being able to do it over and over again. If it's not the power generating Harley, but the heal like the healing, you have to take a lot of damage for that to be useful. Yeah. And that means you've been fighting for a while already unsuccessfully. Yeah. So it's it's good and it's I think it can be fun. <laughs> Right? right? To definitely take advantage of it. But I wouldn't say it was overpowered just because, you know, we're winning consistently pretty fast anyways. Right. So the actual, the functional difference in battle outcomes is that it slows down the fights and probably makes it less likely to, even if you screw up, lose-lose. Okay. I'll tell you who's who I think is overpowered with the Tantu Totem is Aquaman. Because mm. Aquaman, without it, is a relatively inconsequential character. Relatively low stats, doesn't do a lot of damage. Yeah. You're talking about with Atlantean Hero. Atlantean Hero and a, a crappy special too. I would argue that he's still not overpowered, he's just better. Yeah, well, see, the thing is, I guess it depends on whether you consider overpowered fast or winning fights that they otherwise shouldn't. Yeah, but I think I think Harley Quinn can do the same thing in a lot of cases and win fights that she otherwise wouldn't. But she doesn't have the same offensive potential, so Aquaman, you bring him in, Atlantean Hero, tag him out. Lightning Hero, tag him out, free special one. Tag him out, free special one. Tag him out, free special Like, over and over That's and over true. again. You bleed them out without taking any damage. You can, because it's uh, damage over time, you can beat teams that are way uh, stronger than you, and your only vulnerability is uh, Blackest Knight Flash teams. That's where they fair. reverse the damage over time. Yeah, so you're talking about also having Master's Death Cart. Yes, Master's Death Cart. Because that's required for it. Yeah, and you could either really lean into the damage over time. With the Ibis Stick? Yeah, 
Or you give them Claw of Horus so that even if they're fighting against somebody who's got gear that's really helping them in defensive stuff like Astro Harness, yeah. you're just cracking them open like a like a rotten nut. And then you're getting oh, right God. to the <laughs> you're getting right to the meat of it. And uh, I don't think you want to get to the it's meat a of a mixed metaphor. Yeah. Um, a little gross. You bleed them out. Like that's that is a ridiculously good team. It feels like it feels like it's pretty fast because it's not like they can do anything to you. Yeah, that's true. So there we go. Okay, our next <coughs> comment comes from Oscar David Lopez Guzman, and they say, "I've been playing this game for quite a while. I come back from time to time. I'd say I'm in mid late game." Is there any way to grind fast levels 45 to 50? In Bonus Battle 6, it's easy to grind up to level 45, but after that, it is pretty difficult. Also, have you ever considered doing a Road to Glory account and starting from zero again? And uh, so you probably know about these terms more than is Road to Glory like something that you do on your own, or is it like a style of video where you start a game from scratch? I'm assuming it's a style of video that you do from scratch. I honestly don't know about that itself. I don't watch like a ton of like gaming YouTube in general. Right. Um, we make a lot, but we just don't watch it. Yeah. Uh, but I feel like I'm peripherally familiar with that, where it's like starting fresh again and then like working your way back up. <laughs> I mean, we've done it a few times. Yeah. Uh, but like not on camera. And we wouldn't do it purposefully again, I don't Cause think. Because it, it's pretty boring. Like yeah. Once you've had the chance to use the really high level stuff. There's, there's two parts of the game that I think are the best. Uh, and those two parts are right when you start and you're getting stuff at a pretty fast rate. And then there's a really long time in the middle where you already probably have a lot of good stuff and you're sort of being trickle-fed stuff. Um, like, I, I think up until you've got, like, a decent set of gear, I think the rate that you get stuff at is still pretty good and still pretty fast. Right. But then once you've gotten, like, most of the gear and, you know, some gold teams, that in-between part... Right. is a little bit slower and if you've bought in it's not to say that it's bad i'm not i'm not saying that it's good then bad then good again right. but if uh from a pure sort of what is happening standpoint i think the right. most goes on right at the beginning and then at the end when you have almost everybody and, and you get you to can, experiment yes and the cool thing about that is in the middle with each new thing you get your sort of options for experimentation and combos open up non-linearly right you get right. sort of exponential growth so it's not that right. that end phase where you have everything you need to get there before you start experimenting you're doing that sort of experimenting all the Absolutely. way through right. Right. it's just that once you have everything and you are able to look at literally like either all the content in the game pretty much or everything that you are sort of looking at it uh, considering you know needing for your account to be uh where you want it to be at that point right. you know there's there's a huge amount of sort of uh, possibility space right yeah so i think the the problem is we might start it again and then right at the beginning i think it would be sort of interesting right but uh, then i think it would drop both, off pretty fast yeah because the problem at the beginning is you've got such limited choice of characters you need to generate a lot of power credits to really open up each next level right like you start off with yeah. bronzes you're gonna need the oh not even seventy five thousand. you need a hundred thousand credits now to get your gold oh yeah that's true and so it would just slow everything down a lot, and then you'd be struggling. No, nope. the, the the problem really is... It costs an extra 33% now yeah. per gold pack. And because we've had experience, we know what we're missing. So when we're struggling with our bronze characters, trying to finish the first few bronze fights with no gear, mm -hmm. and just bronze characters, um, and then we run out of energy, Yeah. and then we either have to sh shift the clock or wait before we play again, I think that would be incredibly frustrating. Yeah, I, I think... The, the, it, the problem is exactly where it, it's a little bit different when you're when you know also that all the stuff that you're earning is already there and maxed out just one account away you yep. know what i mean yep. if we got banned uh i think at this point if we got banned it would be brutal uh just because of you know how much stuff that we've just accrued over slow time and how much of the <laughs> stuff you can't really get fast and in some right. cases can't get properly anymore in the same way that you could a while ago right Right. right, I mean, like there's red some, sun teams and stuff. Right, and the multiplayer. Oh, right, because the red sun pack is gone. Exactly. Um, and also some multiplayer rewards that have been out of circulation for almost a year now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's I think the problem. There are some uh pieces of media which make more sense to sort of go through them again. I've been I recently played and beat Borderlands three. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I'm. You know, not once I've beaten it, there's some interesting post-game content, but that hasn't been able to hold me for that long. Right. Uh, because it, like, I'll do it if I'm doing other stuff now. Right. 
Uh, but I did actually start the game over as a different character because right. they have different abilities, and that sort of makes sense when the when the gameplay itself is inherently you know pretty satisfying and pretty fun. Right. Uh, and there is sort of still new content to be uh, gotten at, even if the story is the same again. Right. Uh, that sort of makes sense. But for a game like this, I mean, Injustice is um, a mobile game that has a lot of room for skill. I would say from a, a lot. Yeah. It is, I think. You, 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 you're still not so much like recently, recently, but you. There were still different points where you were learning new things. And oh, I get. Getting a oh, bit so nuances. I because I was thinking room for skill. Like you actually have to be good at doing something. No, you don't planning. have to be good at it. Yeah, but there's there's a lot of room for skill to make you better for sure. I guess so. Sure. Yeah. That, yeah. that makes sense. Um, and in terms of mobile games, but from a pure like fun of the gameplay itself level i would say it's it's all right but there's not a huge huge amount of variety right yeah and the problem the other problem then with playing over again is there's so many other things i could be doing instead that's true i finally uh started reading some more i want to recommend there's a book called when we were magic by sarah gailey and oh no, no no that's the new one um, Magic for Liars. Okay. So, you read Harry Potter. I did. You liked it. I did. It was, I was very young, so I don't remember a ton about it. Okay. So, Magic for Liars starts with that same conceit. It's a school for magicians. Yeah. But it does some interesting things. So, it feels much more real because instead of feeling like, the, the kids in the school act like kids, they've got magic. They're going to play pranks on each other. That's cool. There's a murder mystery in it, and you actually get a muggle. They don't call them muggles, but you get a muggle that gets to be, I mean, besides Hermione, that gets to be, uh, and she's not really muggle anymore. She's just half blood, right? Like, yeah. Or mud blood, they call it. What was it? Like, yeah. Mud so blood, yeah. All right. So the, were there any muggles in Harry Potter? That just didn't have magic? That didn't have magic, but were allowed to be good characters? I don't think so. I yeah. don't think that was ever the focus of the story. So I like that that Sarah Gailey does all these different things. It's an entertaining story. And the payoff of the when you solve the murder mystery, it is, uh, it's a little gut-wrenching. It's What else the, has Sarah Gailey written? She did the hippo book, right? Uh, they wrote the, yes, yes, the hippo book, where the idea was that... Um, America had imported hippos like they'd originally yeah. planned for meat, and then they'd gone feral, and they were really wild and crazy and yeah, stuff. Yeah, I don't remember what that was called, but that was quite good. <laughs> yeah, um, I think they, combi- they combined it into American hippo. It's, um, oh, is it on the shelf? River of Teeth. River of oh, Teeth. that's, that's right what there. it was. Okay. Yep. Sweet. We're recording with the, with the light off, so you had to pop on a flashlight I just, for that. Because I thought I was going to look, and then I realized, yeah, it, it, it occurred to me what was uh, okay. what the book was. So there we go. So, what, but that was only the second part of the question, I think, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> where to... Because Oscar's looking for a bit mid of Mid to late game, yeah. From level 40... Grind level 45 <clears throat> to 50. I, I got a bit of different advice than what I, I think other people, if you ask them online, will say. Because they'll say, well, bonus battle 6 is good up to maybe 43 or 44 at the most because then your experience drops off. The max yeah. experience is less because the level of the competition gets lower. And then they'll say go to bonus battle 7 or bonus battle 8. I disagree. I think what you should do is keep them all, when you get to about 44, stop trying to drive them up for the sake of driving them up. Start using them in multiplayer. Yeah. You're and the ex- levels will just come naturally. And it comes faster than you'd expect if you're putting in a decent amount of time multiplayer. I remember when multiplayer first came out and they raised the levels from a 40 to 50. Yeah. And I started playing a few teams and before I knew it, <clears throat> Regime Green Lantern was maxed out because I was putting them on every team. Yeah. For the power gen. Uh, I would say also it's a good time to, you know, grind Survivor some and then use your XP augments that you're getting coincidentally yeah. anyways. Yeah, it's not like Pokemon where the rare candies will limit your... The, your not character but your monster development. Yeah, your IVs. Yeah, no, and it's also good to just sort of have... I don't know, clean house as much as you can because once you lose things to spend them on, they just build up, right? Yeah. And just make that menu more and more unwieldy. So, you know, spend them now. Yep. Agreed. So there we go. 
uh, our next question comes from Apocalypse, and they are asking, they say, completely off-topic question, which we absolutely don't mind. Uh, do you <laughs> all have bag milk, bagged milk where you live? If so, how do you store it? And do you think it is better or worse than plastic bottled milk? <laughs> and I think, so first off, we do have bagged milk. I don't know if that's a Canadian thing. I know that it's, I've, it's, is it like ketchup potato chips that... It's really unpopular in Canada. And it's not definitely elsewhere. also a <clears throat> Canadian thing. Like, it's a Canadian thing, and it's not an everywhere else thing. It's not like an America thing for a lot of places in America. Yeah, I just don't... I remember... I, I, I want to say reading, reading somewhere, somewhere, but just... Or hearing about it, that Americans tend to get their milk in big plastic jugs. Yeah. And Canadians get in plastic bags. And I know that when um, Max Milk was bigger and Becker's was bigger, they used to have jugs of milk that you could buy. It seemed like an unusual thing. Yeah, so we, we do have bagged milk. Uh, we store it in our fridge, uh, like underneath like that meat drawer on the main shelf. We yeah. have the, because the, <coughs> there's, there's a big bag, there's a big four liter bag. Made of three bags. Made, it, like made a, of three smaller ones. third each. Yeah. yeah. And so the smaller ones when they're open are underneath the milk compartment and the full ones are just to the left of that in sort of the bigger bags. So what it gives you is, cause, because a lot of fridges are kind of modular for their shelving, right? Yeah. What it gives you is the flexibility. So in the space below a meat drawer that has a shelf, it gives you way more flexibility. So a space that would normally not fit very much, we can jam yeah, the small bags you'd, there. You'd, anything that you'd <coughs> have to fit in it would have to be, the problem is the dimensions of it, right? Where it's very yeah. deep, yeah. but you can only access the front row. So you want something that's long enough that it actually would go all the way to the back. Otherwise, because if you have stuff stacked back, <laughs> yeah. whatever's in the back right corner is pretty much inaccessible. Yeah. Yeah. So the cool thing about the milk bags is that they fill up that space and they fill up that space perfectly where right. they go all the way to the back. Right. They don't stick out, but they do touch the front. And right. so we're filling pretty much 100% of that space. So here's the question that's always bugged me. So I, I don't know the answer to it. And the basis for understanding is how much plastic or so how much plastic is there in bagging milk compared to jugs jugs yeah how recyclable are the jugs as opposed to contaminating the rest of the plastics that's there when people aren't washing it properly yeah. and i guess ultimately which is the bigger cost mm-hmm. to the and environment when we when we use the smaller bags we put it in like this like plastic like holder that basically <laughs> turns it into like a pitcher almost right oh and what's interesting so th- i mean not everybody has these but it's funny how this particular style of distribution yeah. has resulted in this funny accessory there's we have these milk oh, like the bag milk cutters, cutters yeah that's a little recessed razor blade like they have Say like a miniature version of those um, safety blades that help you sk- cut your seat bl- seat belt. Yeah, when you're in a car accident, but smaller with a little magnet on it, and we stick it on our fridge so it's accessible whenever Just we need it. Just instead of scissors. Yeah, but there's no other there's no other demand for that. Like those are literally just milk bag cutters. And also the whole milk bag holder thing itself. There's a, we have multiple accessories in our home that are specifically for milk consumption. Yeah, so I, I know that the plastic in in a a jug has to be more, more substantial, right? To be able to hold its shape and hold that amount of milk and be strong enough. Yeah. But uh, if it's recyclable, then it's potentially less wasteful. Potentially. Right. Yeah. So I guess, um, like the, did they ask how to, yeah. So do you think it's better or worse than plastic bottle milk? I think for a pure storage perspective, it's probably better. It has advantages for sure. Yeah, it, you know, not unilaterally. And if it breaks, I think it's easier for it to split, right? When it's in a bag. Although it doesn't happen that often it's with us. almost, I mean, it's happened, I can think, once in the last, I don't know, like 30 years. Yeah, and I think if you actually drop a full carton of milk, that weight, the way that the plastic is... is oh, and the, the, the... It can split, the, yeah. The, the seam. The seam, but also the, um, the cap. Yeah. I think it, it's more possible for... It's, I think it's equally... I, it's probably equally likely for both of them to spill from what I've seen. Right. And I guess it depends on how big the jug... Because I'm sort of defaulting to the idea that it's one of the big jugs that, that's like three or four liters. Or is it four liters? That would be three? like a one-gallon jug sort of thing you're talking yeah. about. And then they're harder to manage. And then you're yeah. more likely to spill stuff because as you're... It's like antifreeze. I hate, I hate putting windshield washer fluid into the car because if you've got a fresh bottle... It's almost impossible to, to start pour pouring first, it. Yeah, the first little bit to get it into that wind, uh, windshield washer hole. 
Yeah. So if you're talking about the smaller jugs, then for sure the smaller jugs are going to have more plastic. Yeah. And even if they are recyclable, I think most of the time... A lot of people don't. They don't, or that if they're going to recycle it, they can, what they do is end up ruining other plastics because of the food contamination. Mm. Well, and the energy costs too, even. So I, d- I don't know. I think we are used to it, and that probably colors our perception. So I would say that I have no issue with it, and I like it generally. And I have a sneaking suspicion that it is more efficient uh, in terms of energy and plastic consumption. And it's a distribution system that we've got. Yeah. So I would say it's probably better for us. Right. Uh, and it feels comfortable and familiar, but I can't, I, there's no way that I could make a sort of overall, uh, quality assessment without a lot more information. Yeah. Cause to me, that would ultimately be what's actually important is what's more sort of energy cost material effective. Right. We're almost out of time on this ultimate run and we've got a few more questions. Is it worth trying to do another, uh, ultimate run? Yeah, we'll just stop whenever that? we stop. Okay. All right. Sounds yeah. good. So there we go. Uh, our next question comes from why so serious? And they say, what nth metal pack do you think is the best one? I bought two 800 packs and got terrible rewards. Mm. So, uh, there's, there is sort of an answer, right? Cause they do tell you what the odds yeah. of different things are. Uh, yeah. I think to me, the worst one is still the 200, 200 nth metal pack. Yeah. Because on the balance, you don't get enough. The cost of whatever you want to get is still too high because the percentage drop is too low. Yeah. Um, I think 400 we've decided based on a couple of, uh, openings and the percentages to confirm or sorry, openings to confirm the percentages is that the 400 is better if you want only want metal cards Mm -hmm. because the per cost per metal on average is lower. Yeah. But the 800 is close enough. It's only a little bit worse and the secondary cards are better. Mm-hmm. And the gear cards, you have a higher chance of getting the really desirable, legendary four and a half star gears. Yeah. So for the difference in averages, if you don't have all the gears and secondary cards that you want, uh, it's probably the 800 nth metal pack. Uh, but if you already have all of those and you're just looking for metal, if you're sort of closer to the position that we're in, where we have pretty much everything except for the brand new content <laughs> in the metal packs, right? Yeah. Uh, then it makes more sense to do the 400. Right, yeah, because you're just looking for the metal cards. Yeah. But, I mean, we've gotten a lot of questions recently where people were talking about the drop rates of the rare gear, so it makes a lot of sense that for most people, the 800 pack is probably better. Yeah, so there we go. And unfortunately, yeah, for the for the 800 packs, that's why we that's where we would recommend using the refund glitch, right? Just to make sure that for the money that you're spending, or the in-game currency that you're spending, I should say the nth metal that you're spending... Uh, you are actually getting something that you can be at least okay with, right. if not outright happy with. Right. That was the last fight. Mm. There we go. So, okay. well, yeah, we'll, we'll keep going. We'll, yeah? we'll get through these okay. and then just stop when we stop, I think. Uh, next question comes from Ryzen Vacha, and they say, Consider your comments on politics. Uh, would you be comfortable saying which party you affiliate with? I don't really care. And then in brackets, I'm an Indian in India. A real Indian. Yeah. Uh, but it's interesting to know, given your commentary, I can guess which side you'll lean from the statements you'll make, but I'd rather not guess just to be sure. Also, love the videos and keep them up. So there we go. Thank you. Yeah. So do you want to take a stab at that first? I've got a clear idea of what I want to say. I think you should go first because I'm going to steal what you're going to say, I think, and then I'll sort of expand and contrast with what you say. All right. So I don't really identify with a party. I think I identify with certain ideas and I guess at different times different parties have been um, willing to stand for different things so I think I'm most likely to to vote NDP or liberal yeah and I think I'm least probably NDP from a pure policy position and liberal from a it's more important to get Oh, you a mean like better a pra- guy than like a, a, the actively the person that you don't want. Oh, to you win. mean like um, strategic yeah, voting? Yeah, strategic voting, right? Um, maybe I'm willing to. So here's the thing. I mean, I'm willing to listen to the individual. The more somebody is beholden to their party, I mean, it's sort of a loaded question. I think if anything, the answer is the opposite of what the person is expecting. The yeah. more somebody's beholden to the party, the less likely I want to vote for them mm-hmm. because I want the person 
to matter. I don't want them to be some sort of cipher where it doesn't matter who they are. It just matters what party they're affiliated with. And in that, those are the situations where you end up getting really awful people. Yeah. And the, the, the getting the right person who stands for the right things and is willing to vote with or against the party line, mm-hmm. I think actually matters more because then you're going to have more healthy discussion. You're going to have decisions that are actual... Um, what are the consensus? Mm-hmm. It's an actual consensus instead of one or two people deciding this is what needs to happen. That's actually the opposite of what I'm interested in. Yeah, because we, you can't not engage with the party system in uh, political systems that have it, right? Like right. You, whoever you're voting for, unless you're voting for an independent uh, and unless you're voting for an independent who has an actual chance of winning, right? Whoever ends up going right. in is, you know, working within party dynamics. Right. But yeah, no, I and I think so. What you said is a hundred percent right. Um, <laughs> I'm glad you approve. Yeah, no, I, you know, you vote for the people who are going to do the things that you want them to do, uh, not necessarily the people with the the name that means that they're on your team, right? Right. Yeah, I don't, I don't really care about. I don't really affiliate with one particular team. Although the conservatives on a federal level have had a very poor record mm-hmm. uh, recently, uh, and mainly because they've been going leaning more towards the whole republican idea where yeah. a party matters more than anything else where they're willing to um abrogate some of their responsibility to govern in order to prop up their particular leaders so that they can say that they're not making any mistakes that they're always right that um it's the other th- team Mm -hmm. is just awful and we're the only good guys no matter what they have to do no matter how hypocritical they have to be to keep on doing that yeah so i would say the the one thing that is fair to say about both of us is that we're both left-wing uh both from uh we're socially left-wing and uh we're financially left-wing yeah i think so i think maybe maybe not across the board right that's not a blanket endorsement of uh, every single position I and I think one of the things is that um, I consider myself somebody who is uh, or I, I hope to be and I know people are never as unbiased as they want to be mm-hmm. but I hope that I'm a person that is swayed by evidence and results mm-hmm. so ultimately I have a lot of things that I want to see in the world and <laughs> I am willing to entertain any non-damaging uh, platform or any non-damaging action plan that gets to the things that I want to see in right. the world. Right. Um, so, you know, they're just because a program is uh, in service of left-wing ideology doesn't necessarily mean it's something that I support, right? Right. So one of the things uh, that I've looked at that uh, is a lot of affirmative action programs I, where I think the fundamental idea of uh, basically trying to give people, uh, giving groups that have had a lack of opportunity due to, uh, for racial reasons. So make, uh, making up for years of oppression. Yeah, makes sense. But a lot of affirmative action programs from a practical, from an analysis level, have not been useful, have not been serving the groups that they um, are trying to. Where it's generally not great for anybody, and a lot of what that stems for is in uh, the positions that where people are struggling. They found in like universities, right? Mm-hmm. The people who are uh, at near the bottom, proportionally in university, aren't doing as well as somebody who had the same academic standing going into university and went to a school where they're in the middle or in the top, right? right. So when you uh, have like an affirmative action program in a university where you're letting people in who wouldn't have gotten in otherwise, who are mm-hmm. lower than what the otherwise bottom would be, right. those people are going to struggle and have a worse experience for having gotten into your university in a lot of cases. Right. Well, sorry, so, but you... St- that doesn't change the thing that you actually, the principle that you stand yeah. for. It's that you're what you're against is bad administration. Exactly. And so, uh, I, so there's not a blanket support of anything that's left-wing or anything that's liberal. And I don't think that affirmative action as an idea isn't something that we should explore and still do, right? I'm just also acknowledging that uh, I guess it's the idea that just the intention or just the ideology behind it isn't enough for me. Right. And so you can't just mean well. Yeah, it's and it's... So saying that I don't support a lot of affirmative action programs also doesn't mean that I don't support the idea of affirmative action, which I totally right. still do. Right. And so I think uh, that's sort of another layer of nuance to it where uh, I am 
even if there's a political group that I agree with the things that they are saying, right? Uh, their actual like platform, even that I'm agreeing with, if their execution does not seem practical to me, right? Or if their execution seems incorrect, there could be somebody who is saying all the right things. Who I think I agree with everything you were saying as a person. I think you're trying to do this the wrong way. I might still not support them as See, you know actors, political actors. So to me, all right. So as a Canadian commenting on Americans, to me the ideal Democratic candidate was Elizabeth Warren. Yeah, because she had the right idea. She's aiming for this. So there's failure of intent and failure of execution, right? Mm-hmm. I've said this a bunch of times, and I don't know that this is. I'd like to think it's my idea. I haven't heard it used anywhere else. So the idea is needs to be good mm-hmm. because if what you're aiming for is a crappy thing, it doesn't matter how good you are otherwise, right? If you, it's something that we don't think is the what you should be aiming for. So the, that's the intent should be good. But Elizabeth Warren not only had the intent, she also had a plan that seemed like it was reasonable. It, it was possible, practical. practical. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah, so I would say generally I'm a left-wing progressive is probably the easiest general place box to put me in. But uh, in terms of specifics, I think it's very complicated. And honestly, for all the opinions that I have on the stuff that I do look at, there's a million fields that I am not actively engaged in. And so I wouldn't be able to speak to what certain politicians' (laughs) stances were on uh, certain matters that are, you know, important. And so I think it's really hard to... Uh, say sort of in a more overarching sense uh, where your uh, loyalties lie because you don't I, I think it's hard to be fully and completely informed right at about anybody really mm-hmm. so there we go that's I think our overarching do you have anything else that you want to add mm. anything else that's come to you I don't think so no no I think that that was I was just trying to think if there's any I was trying to come up with this examples of uh, conservative the progressive conservative politicians I think the problem right now is as an example of somebody I would have voted for and the closest I would have come would have been Peter Mackay uh, like 15 years ago before they the reform Alliance party took over the conservatives and then they become conservatives in name only yeah um, I mean there was I think at one point where, uh, the federal conservatives, when they were actually um, standing for something that was interesting, if not necessarily right, and doing it in a principled manner, it's just that it, it every time the the federal or the provincial conservatives start taking on some of the um, appearance or the the strategies of the Republicans, yeah, then I think they're whatever else they care about the fact that they're doing it that way makes them hard to support yeah so there we go that's yeah. that's our our general politics we should do a political compass not the post <laughs> but just for us i don't know yeah uh there we go our next question comes from freddie g oh yeah our last question comes from freddie g 28 and they say so sadly my second account fred 23 on ios got auto banned right at 3 30 p.m as i was playing online to finish my first run of phantom the disclaimer popped up in between a fight, and I'm trying to figure out what cost it. Do you think maybe there's a limit on Valorium? I had 116,386, so that was more than enough to fully max out all the Dark Specials on the remaining three medals I had. Uh, last season, I reached 100k and ended up with 48k, which I'd never used. For this season, after the ban, I maxed out all the characters, main Dark Passes, and still had 68,000 left, and I was also my 13th run of Phantom, full run of Phantom, sorry, which was going to be my last. I don't believe the amount of times you reset Phantom has anything to do with an auto ban. so what do you guys think? Uh, it's an interesting question. I mean, in theory, uh, before this update three yeah they had the addition we should say it's it was also asked pretty well there was a lot of detail yeah. right it was the kind of question where you could tell that there was a lot more detail than uh was potentially necessary to make sure that whatever was important got caught right which is exactly what you want yes and no i guess i there's a fundamental flaw in a question like this only because he, he gave a lot of they gave a lot of detail in this one particular er, uh domain yeah. But there's so many other domains that are potential problems, right? Yeah, but so, I, th- you, I think you'd need to write a lot. I think the, oh, the I effort think was needs, definitely made. Yeah, it would be, it's to, almost impossible to It's an provide, impossible question. Yeah. It's an impossible question. Because, so, answering the specific part is, sure, in theory, there's probably a, a trigger point. Because the other currencies that existed before Valorium Mallow came along... All also had trigger points. All had yeah. trigger points. 
Um, who knows, right? I mean, at this stage when they introduced it for Lauren Malloy, whether the developers actually were careful enough to, to make plans about it. or That's like, true. Who knows? I don't think we had anybody talking about hacking it and having their account banned after they hacked in a certain amount right. either, right? right? Which we right. used to have more of comments along those lines, right? right. Where right. that made it worth sort of checking out and also gave us an approximate sense of what was too much yeah so it it, it comes to it goes to what you're speaking about right because most of the time when people ask these kind of questions they don't even give you enough answers in the one domain that they're asking about yeah but you're what the biggest question really is what else was done in the account and without looking at it look you've got a game that has how many different currencies uh so there's power credits one alliance credits two nth metal three valorum alloy four Last laugh tickets, five. five. So we're talking about things that are not good in and of themselves. They're only good in what you can spend on. Because on top of that, you've also got resources that you can actually yeah. use. It's so easy to forget about Alliance credits, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Once you've got everything. Right. Um, so there's four different color shards. There's yeah. five different categories of aug augmentations. Mm -hmm. um, and each augmentation category has th three levels yeah. of augmentations, right? So you've also got 140. 44, I want to say, is it 144, 145 cards? Oh, I have no clue. Each of which can be corrupted. So the only way you can really diagnose it is if it's either something really obvious, like a billion power credits. Yeah. Um, or it's an account that you are playing and you know everything about the account. You know not only everything about the account, but you also know the things that might look different that could potentially trigger something because if you're not and you're not playing it yeah. there's so many different things could be, that could be messed up in it yeah i think the one thing at the point that we're at is that it seems less likely that this was a manual ban just because there's not a huge amount of moderation right and you would uh, and you know again i say less likely because it's possible also that you did have something in multiplayer that made people report you potentially right, right. but if you didn't have anything in that that um that pretty much rules out a manual ban Right, as long right. as your multiplayer doesn't look suspicious, it's almost definitely an automatic ban. And, and here's the thing too. I mean, it used to be that it didn't even matter if it looked suspicious. If it was just if somebody was a few people were reporting you for something that they think that you shouldn't have, but you totally could have. Yeah, there would still be potential bans. Right? That's true. Uh, so I think the the short answer is is it do you think there's a limit on valorium yeah i think there might be a limit yeah but do we know we don't we yeah we unfortunately don't have that information you probably actually have a better sense if anything yeah. uh at what got your account banned because we we don't know and it again the one thing is that it seems like it's unlikely that a lot of this is subject to change anymore right so it whatever it is it's probably something baked in that we might might be able to test but there's just a lot of variables and right. it would be pretty challenging so that was seven ultimate ladders there we go that's a lot and 52 minutes yeah so we're all through questions now yep let's uh get to the acknowledgements section of okay. the of this novel uh so first off a shout out to eliza the no mother katen she's in the market for garden gnomes uh, this shout out has been brought to you by a by a little man grasping a handwritten note with her tiny fingers and with a with a <laughs> big heck? white beard and a red hat what the heck does that mean all right um, i don't know it's uh the the shout out is is uh, it's fine does gnomes <laughs> doesn't matter what i meant um yeah we'd also like to give a huge thank you to everybody who's supporting us on patreon uh that would be console peasant and ed woon at the highest tier, last word, Mohammed Abshedi, at the Your Message Here tier, Sean Farrell, Daniel Simonson, Aaron Mall, Michael DeVries, Brandon C., all at the credited level, and Chris Wolf and Scarlett Enby at the gratitude level. There you go. Thanks so much for watching. Thanks so much for your support. We'll see you next time. Komoda. Komoda.